Smartcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Okay, here we go. We are back with the Wanna Bet podcast. I am here as always. It's David Schiff with my partner in crime, Miles V. Miles, buddy, how the hell are you? Hi, I'm Miles. Maybe you've heard of me. Well, some good news for those of you in week nine. If you start subscribing to our Lessons 1 and Lessons 1A, if you did, you probably had a good week betting on the NFL. Yeah, let's remind people what those les- those lessons are. Yeah, so Lesson 1, stop betting against home underdogs. And Lesson 1A is trust the theory and start betting on the home underdogs. If you did that, you're very happy. David, the dogs came barking back this week, and there was money to be made. Yes, they did. Absolutely. As a reminder, the way the Wanna Bet podcast works is that every week, Miles and I bet $1,000. We have to make at least three bets. We make them primarily in the NFL. We bet spreads. We bet money lines. We bet over-unders. Uh, and each bet has to be at least $100. So for the first part of this podcast, we are going to look back at our week nine bets, we're going to assess the damage, we're going to count the winnings, we're going to crown a winner, and then about halfway through in a little bit, we will turn our attention to week 10. And I want to start by saying, Miles, we get a lot of people who follow this podcast. As we know, we are an international sensation all across the world, picking up Canada last week. But we have people saying, are you guys good? Do you know what you're doing? Should I follow you? And I want to give a little bit of a recap over the last four weeks because we are telling a really good story. Now, you have been far more consistent all throughout the season. Um, I got my mojo a little bit later, but over the last four weeks, here is what's been going on on the Wanna Bet podcast. In those four weeks, you and I have had seven out of eight winning weeks, meaning that we have turned our $1,000 into more than $1,000. During that time, I have turned my 4000 into just under 5500 and you have turned your 4000 into almost $6,200. So you and I collectively, we are up $3,700 in the last four weeks. We are 18 and 7 on our picks over that period of time. That is a 72% success rate. Inconceivable! Wow. So there, those are some very, very solid numbers for you and I over the last month. Yeah, and when you think about it, you know, if you're good at handicapping, you're coming in around 55%, 57%, you know, 60% is like hanging out of the park. So I think we've been noticing some trends. I think that we've been starting to get a feel for the flow of these games, and it feels good to uh, to win, and actually feels good to have that kind of credibility. Yeah, it was really nice to see, and I think you and I both have some teams that we've sort of targeted uh, pretty intensely over the last few weeks, but we're still navigating through injuries and trades and just, you know, performances that are hard to predict, Buffalo Bills, etc. Um, so let's 
jump into this. Do you want to recap um, how we're doing over the last week? And I should start, I think. Um, so I'm going to recap my bets. Bet number one. My big bet last week was I had the Chicago Bears minus five uh, over the Miami Dolphins. I bet 440 to win 400. Now, Chicago was a team that we bashed earlier in the season. We called them the worst two and two team in the NFL, and they were historically bad, particularly when it came to passing the football. But in the last few weeks, as we've noticed, the game has started to slow down for Justin Fields. And I did invoke rule number one when I took this game. I took them with the points as an underdog at home, and that turned out to be a good decision. Fields only threw for 123 yards, but he was 17 of 28 with three touchdown passes. And if you remember, what did I say last week? I said Miami has trouble against running quarterbacks. And boy, did they have trouble with Justin Fields. It doesn't matter if you only throw for 123 yards when you run for 178 more yards, including a 61-yard touchdown. And that, 178 yards, that's the most rushing yards ever for an NFL quarterback in a regular season game. So Justin Fields was a beast. The Dolphins had no answer for him. Now, as expected, the, the Chicago defense, they did take a hit. They traded away Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn before the trade deadline. Tua did have a big day against them with over 300 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, now, the Dolphins, they were up 11 points in this game twice and 10 points once. But let's give credit to the Bears. They fought back every time. They scored the only points in the fourth quarter, and they gave me an awesome backdoor cover. Yeah, I loved the bet when you made it. I was, uh, you know, quoting swingers on you with the groans up, groans up, because I loved that you were going on the home dog. And I think there was a point I thought I saw during the game where the Miami coach was like, you know, asking Justin Fields to stop running on him because he was making them look so bad. I mean, it was just a debacle. They had no answer for the run game there. I, I thought it was a great bet. Uh, there was a time where I thought that the Bears might even win outright, but they did get the backdoor cover. Great job by you. Yeah, just a little bit too much uh, Tua and Tyreek Hill at the end, but I didn't care. They covered, and I put 840 into my bank for that bet. Bet number two, I had New England minus five and a half at home against the Indianapolis Colts. I bet 330 to win 309. Now, last week, we've talked about how we're riding with teams that we have a read on, whether that read is positive or negative. I'm going to take, take a little moment to give myself a little pat on the back here because I was dead on with this game. I said the Colts were in free fall. Matt Ryan had been benched. The offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, got fired. Rookie Sam Ellinger named starting quarterback. Um, I think it's actually Ellinger, so I apologize, Sam, if I uh, pronounced it wrong. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was injured. Naeem Hines was traded. They were in full-blown four-alarm freefall, and that's before this week when they fired their head coach and hired Jeff Saturday. We'll get into that late, later. Uh, but they were a mess. And then we'd look at the Patriots. Bill Belichick against a rookie quarterback at home, was going to make Ellinger a deer in headlights. And that's exactly what happened. They sacked him nine times. They held him to 103 yards passing, one interception. 
And meanwhile, the little quarterback controversy on the Patriots side wasn't really a quarterback controversy. Mac Jones was fine. What I've said about the Patriots offense is that they're a decent offense with Mac Jones and above average defense. Mac Jones had 147 yards passing. He had a touchdown, but it didn't matter. Nick Folk had four field goals. The Colts didn't score until the third quarter. This game was never close. The spread was five and a half. As I said last week, they would win by at least 10 to 12. They won by a lot more than that, and I put more money in my bank. When you made that pick, I thought for sure it was the right pick and again thought I want to be on that same on that same pick. I, I just thought it was a smart analysis um, that New England has been playing good enough ball and that Indianapolis is in just complete disarray. And sometimes when you see the teams in disarray, you know, you're betting against them no matter who they're playing. And so uh, I'm glad you won on that on that bet. Uh, I, I wanted to take it as well and wish that I would have won on that bet. But we'll get into my bets next. Good job by you. That's two for three right there. So way to go. Yeah, two for three right there. Uh, a little foreshadowing on your part when you say that sometimes teams are so bad, you bet whoever they're playing against, and that might be coming up in the second half of our podcast. So stay tuned. Now, my final bet, the game that broke my heart. So Miles, a couple of weeks ago, you had to endure the Atlanta Carolina roller coaster. For me, this week, I had to endure the Rams' fourth-quarter meltdown and debacle against Tampa Bay. Oh, that was so brutal. Yes! I, I, don't, I don't even know what to say. I, you know, a typical NFL game, team comes back in the end, but the Rams must have had the longest flight home from Tampa Bay because they had this game nine ways from Sunday, and I had taken the money line, remember? Yeah, you were bold. The Rams were getting three points. I bet the money line 230 to win 310. I was confident about this game, and I liked the potential payout. So I guess I have myself to blame because at a 16-13 to 13 final if I had taken the points in the spread, I would have tied, I would have got my bet back, and I would have won the week. Now, I also talked about taking the under, which was 42 points. Final score, 16 to 13. That under easily came in. So I took the one bet that did not come in. I was bold, as you said. Uh, and you know what? This was a game with two bad offenses. You want to know how you're watching a game with two bad offenses in it? I will tell you. When they put up a graphic that actually shows how many how many punting yards have been accrued during the game, that's how you know there is a lot of punting. There were 15 punts in the game. That's more punts than Matthew Stafford had completions. He only had 13. The Tampa Bay punter, he was the star of the game. He had three punts over 65 yards long. One was 74-yarder. He was the MVP until like you know two minutes to go in this game. I've never talked about punting so much in my life. The only thing worse than watching this punt fest was watching the Rams fail to run out the clock in the fourth quarter and watch them employ a prevent defense in the end. And guess what? The prevent defense worked. It prevented them from winning. They allowed the Buccaneers to go 60 yards in the last 35 seconds to score a touchdown. Buccaneers didn't even need the whole 35 seconds. They scored with nine seconds left. It was their first lead since the second quarter. This game slipped away for me. I don't sweep the week. Do I regret my boldness? 
Yeah, okay. Maybe a little bit. It was a bold bet, and it happens sometimes when you're going to say, I want the extra cash by taking the money line instead of and, and refusing the points, and when those points come into play, it's a tough feeling. I watched the end of that game, and there was a time where I thought, hey, Cooper Cup is going to get a first down and ice the game. This game's over. And for some weird reason, he like took a weird angle and didn't dive but slid or something happened. I mean, it's almost like they were trying to gift Tom Brady a game-winning drive, and they did. Uh, you're right. That flight home must have been terrible. I was very shocked at the outcome. But, you know, where we were in the betting process and knowing that your two games had come in, that gave me an opening to try to get the lead for the week. Yeah, so I finished two for three. I do turn my 1,000 into 1,470. Uh, it is my third cash in the last four weeks, which was nice. But it was not number one for the Wanna Bet podcast. How did you do this week, Miles? Well, before we get into how I did, I do want to congratulate you on getting your picks. And then I wanted to, you know, take note of our listeners who also sent in their picks. So let's look at our listeners and see how they did. So Donnie Wheels, he was a winner this week. He picked the Chicago Miami over, which was well over. And he also picked the Tennessee Titans. He then suddenly told us that we need to lose weight with all of our weekly food bets. <laughs> thanks, Donnie. Yeah, thanks for the fat shaming there, Don. That was great. Do you know, is there a famous place to eat salad in Los Angeles, David? Because let me know, because I never want to go there. I don't know, but I will tell you, this is why we do a podcast and not a television show, because we have two faces for radio. That's the fact, Jack! There you go. Uh <laughs> Dave Siegel, he was also a winner this week, which is great because he's on his way to Las Vegas this weekend. So, Dave, please pay close attention to the picks for this week, and hopefully you can make some additional money. Uh, RJ, he had a tough week this week. Uh, he did hit on the Lions' money line, which was a lesson one in 1A, so way to go with the home dog there. And lastly... Um, you know, the game started, and I was looking for Bill Kuklanis' bet, and I didn't see anything. And then a late addition, he spent all $1,000 betting on Tampa Bay. So he had the same sweat that you had, except that he ended up being a winner. That was on the money line? Uh, no, it was uh, oh, minus. the points. Yeah, but he had it at two and a half. Uh, so his came in. Or maybe it was at three, and he bought the half. But whatever it was, he was a winner. Nice. Don't forget, you too can make your picks by going to our at WannaBet podcast on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love uh, to hear if you have a review. You're welcome to give us a review on the Apple uh, podcast site. And uh, keep telling your friends. It's great to get all this engagement. You know, there were a couple people that came up to us this week during poker. I was surprised to hear that uh, how much they enjoy our show. Yeah, it was really validating. It was great to hear feedback. And, you know... The little community that we've created who are betting every week, it makes it even more fun to participate. And it's kind of been an unexpected, you know, bonus from doing this, that it's not just you and I, we've got this group of people now and everybody's vested and playing along and it's a fun little format. So it's been nice to see. Yeah, it's like they look forward to when we're dropping the podcast. So today is Wednesday and hopefully we will get this dropped tomorrow in time for the Thursday night game. Yeah, if that damn editor gets on his... Uh you know, stick. Oh, wait a minute. That's me. Yes, I'll do my best. So I'm happy to go in through my picks this week. This was a great week. And like I said, I kind of felt really good about the uh, the home dogs this week. And so my 
first pick was the New York Jets plus 13 against Buffalo. Okay. Now this was the morning game that I bet on. And here's the rub. I think I told everyone last week I was going to Vegas this weekend and I was planning on driving up Sunday. And my son was actually home from college attending the USC Cal football game. And he said, you know, can we have breakfast on, on Sunday before he headed back to school? And look, I'm family first. So I love the time I got to spend with the kids. So I didn't leave for Vegas until 9 a.m., thereby missing the morning game. So I wasn't able to bet that game. I wasn't even able to watch that game. So I missed out on uh, some of those other home dogs that I liked as well. Because I missed out on you know watching those games, my recap of what happened here comes from listening to the radio uh, during my drive. And the first thing I can say is that at 10 o'clock, when the game kicked off, I was listening to ESPN Radio, and the host of the show started laughing. And he said, the New York Jets kicking off to Buffalo, the kicker just slipped and accidentally kicked an onside kick that was recovered by the Bills at midfield. So my first thought was, really? Really? You're giving the Bills the ball at midfield? I mean, this bet is going to go sour early. And the next update I hear from ESPN Radio is that Josh Allen throws an interception in the red zone, giving the Jets the ball. And then I remembered why I made the bet. You know, this is a divisional game with the home underdog being spotted 13 points. These are usually close games, always decided by less than a touchdown. Every time a kicker slips, a quarterback throws an interception, it all evens out in the end. So my problem is that Somewhere during the drive from L.A. to Vegas, I lost radio reception, and I didn't find another station until later on. And By the time I found that station, the Jets were threatening to take the lead in the game and actually did. So with the lead and 13 points, I was very happy going with my lesson one in 1A, and especially because I was so close to taking the Texans with points against Philly on the Thursday night game and didn't. And when I saw that game come in, I'm like, there was a missed opportunity to win another bet here. But uh, the Jets, you know, not only covered, they outright won the game. Yeah, they sure did. And I think last week on the podcast, you said this was sort of your throwaway bet. You had a couple hundred dollars left and you wanted to throw it down on the Jets. And one thing that I've realized when you make bets like this, when you have a huge home underdog and they start playing well from the beginning of the game, these games are the easiest to watch because they're never a sweat. Buffalo never got even close to a 13-point lead. So it's a great sort of situation where normally we grind so hard on these games when you have these big you know, spreads and the, the favorite doesn't get close. You're never sweating this game. And you're right. It was really all about the Jets' defense in this game. They had two interceptions, you know, five sacks of Josh Allen. And you know, we didn't really talk about the big news, which is he might have a considerable injury. He's day-to-day right now. And they're saying he might have, you know, uh, basically a Tommy John injury, which is more common for baseball pitchers. But that has a lot of repercussions for the Bills beyond this week. But you nailed this bet, you know, 220 to win 200, never in doubt, 420 in your bank. Yeah, so I was happy with that. Um, I then had an afternoon bet, and that was Seattle plus two against Arizona. And that was 340 to win 309. So I left LA around nine o'clock, maybe a little later. Did I make it to Las Vegas in time to bet Seattle, Arizona kickoff at 105? No. No, no, I did not. 
However, I did make it to the state line at 1 o'clock and was able to make this bet from my BetMGM app with five minutes to spare. Were you, like, racing over the state line and, like, spun out in Nevada and got on your app? We were going 90 <laughs> miles an hour. As soon as I hit Prim, I pull off the highway and I and I and, and turn the car over to my wife so that I can get on my phone and make this bet. Why do I envision a scene, like, out of the Blues Brothers where it's you and, like, 30 cop cars just racing? Across the state line. We're on a mission from God. I would have. I would have. Because at this point, you know, the Texans came in, the you know, the the the, the Jets came in. I wanted to make my bet, and I really like this game. I didn't have all 340 in my account, but I did manage to win some money on this game. Um Seattle's been my favorite team to bet this year, and this week was no different. Um by the time I actually checked into my room and got to Vegas, it was 10-7 Seattle at the half. And the Seattle defense was playing incredibly. Kyler Murray could not move the ball efficiently. And I was just getting caught up on what had happened thus far. And then Geno Smith threw a pick six, putting the Cardinals up 14-10 and knocking me out of being in the winning zone. But then Seattle puts together two consecutive 13-play drives for touchdowns. And I knew that I was sitting pretty. I mean, the Arizona defense was on the field forever. They were gassed. I mean, they just couldn't couldn't get Seattle off the field, and they that, that really took a toll on them. Kenneth Walker, he was having his way running the ball, and all I could think of there is that someone's bucking for a promotion. Probably that petter ass <laughs> Hanrahan. I don't know. What I do know is that Seattle Seahawks are a money machine and helped me start off my Vegas trip being up some cash. They are on such a roll. I'm pretty sure last week I said to take a look at the first quarter because Arizona had been so slow getting off the ball that if they scored a first quarter touchdown, that Seattle might be in trouble. And guess what? Arizona scored a first quarter touchdown. And guess what? It did not matter at all. Seattle won the game, and not only have they won four in a row, it's their fourth straight double-digit win. So they're not just squeaking by these teams. They are really rolling against them. Should we just mail Geno Smith the Comeback Player of the Year award right now? No one else is going to get it, right? I mean, they're not only winning the games, but I think you pointed out last week is that they're coming in as underdogs. They're getting points and winning outright by double digits. And I don't know what's going on with the odds makers and what they're just not giving the love to Seattle. Maybe they don't believe them. Maybe they listened to our week one podcast when we declared Seattle the worst team in the AFC West. I don't know. Well, at the beginning of the year, even in preseason, when Geno Smith was battling Drew Locke and it was sort of a race to the bottom to see who, which quarterback could be less bad than the other one, they looked like they were going to go 3-13 and 13 or 3-14 and 14 this year. And we said it before, kudos to Pete Carroll, kudos to Geno Smith, kudos to this team. They are figuring out how to do it and get it done. Yeah, and I think I said AFC West, which dates me back a few years. I think I meant to say NFC West, although weren't they in the AFC West way back in the day? They sure were. My bad. Um, My last bet was my biggest bet, and that was Tennessee plus 12.5 against Kansas City for the Sunday night game. And I bet 440 to win 400. Now, when I made that bet, I didn't know the status of Tannehill other than he was traveling with the team. And when I got to Vegas and bet the game, the line moved to 13 and a half. So 
uh, I knew Tannehill wasn't playing, but I did get an extra point. And by kickoff, the spread actually went up to 14. I was pretty confident before the game that the points were a lot to lay. Uh, and the money just kept coming in on Kansas City. And so I didn't know. I was having doubts. But Tennessee had a great game plan using Derrick Henry early and letting their defense keep Mahomes contained in the pocket. Um, the plan worked really well for like three quarters. And uh, Tennessee was actually winning the game. And there were times, though, when I thought the Tennessee offense was really abysmal. I mean, Malik Willis of the What You Talking About Willis fame did not complete a single pass to a wide receiver the whole game. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Did you hear me? He didn't complete one pass. What you talking about, Willis? What, what you talking about, Miles? Let me ask you this question. If I had said on the podcast last week, oh, by the way, Malik Willis is going to start for the Titans and he's going to go five for 16 for 80 yards. Would you have still taken that bet with those points? I, I don't know. I mean, I knew that they were going to run the ball a lot. They actually pulled Henry a bunch and they used uh, uh, their backup uh, running back for a bit. I think it's the guy from Michigan. I'm, his name's escaping me. Hassan something or other. Uh, you know, I don't know if you remember. I, I remember because it was a fantasy blow for me. There was a time during COVID when the Denver Broncos ran out of quarterbacks and they ended up using Kendall Hinton, who was like a wide receiver who had some quarterback experience, which for all I know, many played in Pop Warner. And he completed one pass to tight end Noah Fant for 13 yards and completed two passes to the New Orleans Saints defense, and he went one for nine on the day when they lost 31-3. It was kind of that kind of game. Yes, it wasn't that close, but again, in terms of the points that you had in the spread, it really wasn't that much of a sweat for you. Uh, you know. And, and putting the points aside, Kansas City just has a way of winning these games in the end. They did it against the Chargers, they did it against the Raiders, they do it now, which... Again, not necessarily for our world of betting and points and spreads, but for their world of just staying on top of the AFC West, you know, it took Patrick Mahomes throwing 68 passes for 446 yards to beat a team they should have beaten easily. So it's not like they're clicking on all cylinders, but they have this little magic that they, you know, spread their fairy dust at the end of the game and pull these things out. Yeah, Tennessee should have won the game. Mahomes ultimately scrambled and scored a touchdown, brought it to overtime. I mean, the the offense for Tennessee looked like, you know, Navy in the, in the college ranks, you know, where they run the ball every play. But look, I can't complain. I won. Uh, that was my second perfect week. I went 3-0. and I think uh, it's $909 back in my bank. So if you're keeping track at home, that's me cashing seven out of nine weeks and the last six weeks in a row. Yeah, as we uh, started this podcast, as I've said before, my fear was that I was going to go winless. Uh, you now pull ahead five weeks to four, but the gap in our banks is now starting to spread out a little bit. You have just under $10,000, which means you've won over the course of nine weeks, almost $1,000. I'm at about $8,200. So I have some work to do. 
Um, but in the meanwhile, we're going to celebrate with some pastrami tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, because you are the weekly winner and I owe you a delicious Langer's pastrami sandwich, which uh, we will be partaking in tomorrow afternoon, correct? Oh, yum. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Langer's is arguably the best deli in Los Angeles, and I I put it up against Katz's, I mean, at least in the conversation. Um, this will be a fun time. Well, it is indeed. So that ends our recap of week nine. Miles takes the week. He sweeps again. Congratulations, Miles. And now it's time to turn our attention to week 10. We've got a lot of things going on. Before we get into that, I think we have some more LA iconic food on the line for week 10. Miles, what's our destination? This is one that I hadn't heard much about. A buddy of mine told me about it. It's called Marty's Hamburger Stand, and it's in the Pico, Chevy Hills area. It's really close to the Apple Pan where we went, and I've heard Marty's is a like top 10 burger in L.A. I have been to Marty's once uh, after golf. It was delicious. It's one of those little uh, shacky hole-in-the-wall places that will have a lot of people who are in the know in line waiting to get some really good burgers and food. So I'm excited about that as well. Cool. Yeah, no, I have never tried it. So this would be uh, this would be great. And if it's good, we will keep it in the rotation. Great. So let's get into our week 10 bets. Miles, do you want to start with your first bet of the week? Sure. So I am taking the commanders, praise be, uh, the Waterford commanders, as named by one of our listeners, against the Eagles. Uh, plus 11, and that's 440 to win 400. So this is kind of a bet saying, I like the way the commanders have been playing ball recently. Philly's undefeated. Philly's great. I have no issues with Philly, and I do expect them to represent the NFC when it comes time for the Super Bowl. I just think that 11 points against a division rival and a team that's playing some pretty good football is too many points to give. I mean, the Commanders had a really tight one against a good uh, Vikings team. Uh, I know Philly's coming off the little Thursday night semi buy, but boy, 11 points when they're just moving the ball, rolling, and staying close, I just don't think Philly, like last week, uh, is going to cover. I mean, they were giving the points to the Texans, and... The Texans kept it close. I think the Commanders are a much better team than the Texans, and I think they're going to keep it close. So I'm not saying that Philly's going to lose, but I do think that 11 points uh, is nice to have, and that's what I'm doing. I'm taking them. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Philadelphia won by 12 in that Texans game on the road. Is that correct? On a 14-point spread, yes. All right, so 12 points on the road. They do have extra time. That game was last Thursday. Now they've got all the way till Monday. So I'm a little nervous with a really good team as the Eagles are getting some time to get healthy. They know how to, you know, separate and win these games by a decent margin. So I'm hoping for your sake that the commanders can stay with them, but we'll have to see because the Eagles are a good team. Praise be, blessed be the fruit, and may the Lord open. And anything else you want to quote out of The Handmaid's Tale. There you go. Bet number one in the books. All right. Here is my big bet of the week. I am taking Miami minus three and a half 
over the Cleveland Browns, 440 to win 400. The math is simple on this one. When Tua is the primary quarterback from the Dolphins, when he starts and finishes the games, they are 6-0. and And that includes wins over the Patriots, Ravens, and Bills. Not necessarily pushovers. Since he came back from his concussion, they are 3-0, and and they are averaging over 27 points a game. They've got weapons everywhere. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Miles Gaskin, Gasecki, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Tua himself, and they are playing against the Browns. They are the 22nd ranked defense in the league. The Dolphins are going to put up points. Now, the Browns are coming off their bye week, and before that, they dismantled the Bengals 32-13. to But... The Dolphins are a more physical team up front than the Bengals. I said earlier that the Dolphins weren't great against running quarterbacks. Well, Jacoby Brissett is not a running quarterback. That's going to allow the Dolphins to focus more on the Cleveland running backs. Cleveland did have 178 yards rushing against the Bengals. That's not going to happen against the Dolphins. Chubb is going to get his yards, but he's not going to get that many. Cleveland defense, they had five sacks against the Bengals. That's not going to happen against the Dolphins because the Dolphins have a better offensive line. I'm calling this the Chubb Bowl. It's Nick Chubb against his cousin Bradley on the Dolphins. And I am going to get fat betting on the Dolphins. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Well, according to Don on wheels, we're already fat. But uh, I like your bet. I actually, before I left Vegas this morning, made this bet as well. I think Miami is the better team, and I'm not worried about the, the bye week. Uh, I do think that when Miami is good, they are really good, and I I feel good about your first bet. So for my second bet, would you believe that I'm going to go with Seattle again? Because I am. Seattle is getting three points against Tampa Bay, and I'm betting another 440 to win 400. Now, this game is taking place in Germany, Okay. So there really isn't a home team. And one can argue that Seattle is traveling from, you know, the state of Washington all the way to Germany. But you know what? It's not that much farther than the Tampa Bay team traveling to Germany. I mean, maybe it's a couple hundred miles. Whatever it is, not a big deal. And if you've been following this year, Seattle has been traveling a lot. And they've had the East Coast game, 10 o'clock game, doesn't matter. These guys are getting points every week, and they're winning every week. And Tampa, you know, you already rehashed their game last week against the Rams. They got a gift. They had no business winning. And the good news is it stopped Brady's consecutive losing streak, and now he's ripe to start a brand new one because Seattle is just a machine that is trucking, and I feel great about them. You know, you make an interesting point about Seattle traveling. Because they're up in the Pacific Northwest, they naturally have to do a lot more traveling than a lot of other teams. And I think that organization just conditions the team to be ready for it. So I think it's a really good point that going to the East Coast or going to Europe isn't that big a deal for them. Going off on a little bit of a tangent here, in the Rams... Tampa Bay game, they put up an interesting stat where they showed those two teams, they had 10 offensive linemen from last year when both of those teams were really good. This year, only two of those 10 offensive linemen are back. And it really sort of, you know, underscores kind of the hidden value of the offensive line. And you could sort of sense it with both Stafford and Tom Brady and the Buccaneers that 
Their offensive lines are shaky. That makes the quarterbacks nervous. That makes them run. That makes them throw early. It makes the offense just sort of fall apart. And it's we talk a lot about the skill quarter, you know, positions at the quarterbacks and all of this, but Tampa Bay's offensive line is patchwork right now, and they're paying for it. And I think, you know, Seattle very well might take advantage of that. Seattle's defense has been surprisingly awesome this year, and I expect that to continue. So uh, my only hope is that with that game being at 6.30 a.m. Pacific, uh, that it's on some channel that I'm able to obtain because I don't know who's showing it. It's in Germany, so for all I know, it's on one of the porn stations that I watch. As we have said earlier on this podcast, fuck ESPN+. Plus. Nobody gets it. Nobody watches it. Nobody cares. Um, what are you betting on that game? Did you throw out a number? Yeah, that one's, yeah, that's 440 to win 400. So I have two bets at 440. Look at you, your co-big bets of the week. Very exciting. Well, in your vein of riding a team that you like, the Seattle Seahawks, I'm going to follow that up with riding a team that I like, which is any team that the Colts are playing. So I am taking Las Vegas minus six over Indianapolis. I'm betting 330 to win 300. Maybe I should bet 330,000 to win 300,000. Yes, I know I'm on the Colts again. I am trying to get away from them, but like Al Pacino in The Godfather, they keep pulling me back in. How can you not bet against this team? Four weeks ago, their head coach was an analyst for ESPN who had only coached high school football. Four weeks ago, their starting quarterback was the third string quarterback. Four weeks ago, their play caller was the assistant quarterback's coach. This team is tanking faster than Dr. Oz's Senate campaign. And I will say this right now, Saturday does not know Sunday. And yes, I'm trademarking that phrase. You can order your t-shirts right now. As we already discussed last week, their offense was a disaster. I don't see it getting any better. The only thing that is preventing me from driving to Vegas right now, mortgaging my house and putting everything on this bet is that they're playing the Raiders, one of the most frustrating, confounding, hard-to-predict teams that there is in the NFL. I don't think we've gotten a Raiders game right this year, have we? I feel like... Why why are you saying that out loud? Why are you mushing my bet already? We're not even done with the podcast. (laughs) I'm just saying every time we pick the Raiders, they lose. Every time we bet against the Raiders, they win. I I can't figure that team out. Well, this is going to be the week. Last week, the Raiders once again snatched defeat from the jaws of victory against Jacksonville. They jumped out to a 17-point lead. They blew it in the end. The week before that, they were shut out by the Saints. The Saints! But you know what? Even with that shutout, the Raiders are averaging 23 points a game. They still have Devontae Adams. He had 150 yards and two touchdowns. They still have Josh Jacobs. They might get Darren Waller back. I'm looking at the Raiders as a frustrated team, and this week they take out all their frustration on the Colts that are turning out to be the doormat of the NFL. I will admit it. This is a classic trap game, but I am not going to double-cross myself. I'm going to go with my gut and I'm taking the favorite Raiders at home, minus six. I think uh, I like that they're at home. I think that I like the disarray that Indianapolis is in. You've definitely covered that well. I just, I'm not betting the Raiders the rest of the year. I, I can't. I just, I, that, I can't figure that team out. And until I can, 
I'm off. I don't even consider it. I, I'm not even betting the Raiders. I'm just betting the team that the Colts are playing. It happens to be the Raiders. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, they really like Jeff Saturday over there. I like your Saturday and Sunday uh, trademark. I happen to be a trademark attorney, among other things, so I'll get right on that for you. That'd be great. Well, my third pick, you know, I'm only betting 120 to win uh, 109 here. I I couldn't decide amongst a lot of games, and so I decided I'm going with the Chicago-Detroit over. That over under is at 48 and a half, which is kind of high, but this is what I'm thinking. Detroit started out this year scoring a whole bunch. Detroit started out this year giving up a whole bunch. They're usually in high-scoring games, except when you bet on them, then they don't, and they don't come through. Uh, Chicago, they started out absolutely horrible, but you pointed out in your analysis that Fields is just, you know, everything's clicking for him. Chicago's finally putting up some offense. They look like an actual NFL team instead of a college team. So I love the fact that they're scoring. You also pointed out that the Chicago defense has basically gifted away most of their good players. So their defense is giving up points. This, to me, just smells like it is ripe for a lot of scoring. Now, 49 points and seven touchdowns, that is kind of a tall order. But I think both of these teams can get into the 20s, if not 30s. That's just the way I'm seeing it. You know, I looked at the weather. Um, You know, the weather in Chicago today is like 70 degrees. But come game time, we're looking at maybe 40 degrees. But if there's no blizzards and no rain game on monsoon like there was in week one i think this is a game that could go over i don't you know love the game and i'm putting it as my third pick but uh i feel decent about this analysis can you believe that we are even saying the words bears and over in the same sentence from where they came in preseason and early on i mean it has really been an evolution for them and the fact that they're putting up points but If you told me in week one or two that we would be making these bets, I would have said you were crazy. Interesting that you are on the over here because for me, the Lions are almost an unpredictable team as you see the Raiders. And maybe it's because I was burned so badly by them. But I feel like every time I might have a handle on the Lions, they go out and they give up 40 points or they score zero. I'm just not quite sure what I'm going to get out of the bag. But... You may be right on that the Bears got rid of a couple of their defensive pieces, and that is going to help a Lions team that can put up points uh, move the ball down the field with less opposition. So you could be right there for the over. You know, this actually goes back a little bit to when I lived in Chicago, which I did for, you know, over 10 years. And, you know, this is a divisional game. This is a rivalry game. These are teams that don't really like each other. And I can see this just being a offensive fest. So that's what I'm hoping for. We'll see what happens. I like it. My last bet of the week. I am taking the LA Chargers plus seven over the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco 230 to win 209. Yes, I am picking the Chargers. Yes, I am a Charger fan. I know you think it's a homer pick, but it's not. This pick is all about those seven points. It's all about the number. The Chargers, they are five and three on the year, and they're five and three against the spread this year. And as frustrating as they have been 
all of their games are close. There's only been one Charger game this year that had a difference of more than seven points. They are the number nine offense in the league. They still have Justin Herbert. They still have Austin Eckler. They still have Gerald Everett. They will move the ball. They will put up points. Now, yes, the 49ers are coming off their bye week, but let's keep in mind that they have lost two out of their last three games, and that win was against the Rams, who we've decided they're a mediocre team. And before that, they had lost two straight to Kansas City and Atlanta, and both of those losses were by 14 points. So the 49ers are trying to move forward, and of course they have done that by picking up Christian McCaffrey. He is a game changer. He is a difference maker. But I do have two predictions for this game. Number one, he is not going to throw, catch, and run for a touchdown like he did last week against the Rams. And I am predicting this, that the Chargers score in the fourth quarter either a field goal or a touchdown to give me and them a classic backdoor cover. I like that you're hoping for the cover. Um, again, you basically called my thoughts on this one. You and the Chargers have an unhealthy relationship. Any Charger fan and the Chargers have an unhealthy relationship. That's just part and parcel from being from L.A., San Diego, wherever, and rooting for them. You must say the words long-suffering when you say Charger fan. Thank you, sir. May I have another? We're going to probably draft a new lesson here somewhere if this doesn't come through, and it's going to be that you can no longer bet on your home teams of the Chargers and the USC Trojans and just stop. Just don't do it. Just lay off the games. I'm not saying Chargers. I'm just looking at a 5-3 and three team on the road getting seven points. Fair enough. Uh, I think your statistics about all of their games being one score is an interesting one. And it's probably a trend, you know, that that we're seeing continue a lot in these games. I mean, a lot of these double-digit spreads are only coming in, you know, with a one score. So, I I don't I don't hate it. Oh, you hate it. I just know your history, and <laughs> that's it, man. I'm gonna sweep a week. One of these weeks, I'm gonna sweep. Well, let it be this one. Um, I'm excited about this weekend. Uh, I'm back home, so I'll be able to do a little bit more uh, observing and watching. And uh, yeah. Week 10, Marty's Hamburgers on the line. And as Miles said earlier, play along with us. Go to our Twitter page, at Bet Podcast. Throw us your bets. Tell us who you like. What favorites are going to come in? What underdogs are going to upset? We want to know. We're all over this. We'll be back next week. We're talking to you, Sam. We want to hear from you. Yes, Sam Shapiro. We're talking to you. All right, everybody. That is the What A Bet podcast for week 10. We've had an awesome time. Have an amazing week. Miles, what do you got to say? Love your body, Larry. Peace out. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric cast.
electric acid. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.